Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. And my name is Ben McCallery. Welcome to the last episode of Season 3. It's that time again where we come at your ears in a hostful formation. <laughs> like a flying V, but just like with fly- the two of us. You like that sport, little sport analogy? Sure, always I'm all about and, sports ball. Always try and get, into, get it in there. Uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome to a hostful. Really been looking forward to this. What about that cheeky hostful we got in at the start of the season? That feels like simultaneously ages ago and just like last week. It was you weeks within moving into our new life. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we've had some significant shifts in the past, over the past podcast season, but we've got some fantastic questions, as always, with this season's hostful. Um, and first of all, uh, a thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I love how uh, quirky and insightful and uh, honest the questions are that we always receive for Ooh. the hostfuls and an upfront apology that we're probably not going to be able to get through everyone's questions, but we will do our absolute best. Look, it's an end of an era for the Slow Home Podcast. It is. Isn't it? Yes. I feel a little bit emotional. Yeah, it is sort of sad for us because we're actually saying goodbye to two wonderful individuals that that have helped us immensely throughout the last two years. Um, Two years for Steph and more More, for Ryan. More for Ryan. So Ryan is our wonderful producer and he's moving on to a fantastic opportunity in his work and... I just want to take the opportunity to say thank you to you, Ryan, because I know you're listening because you're editing well, this you episode. you better be listening. <laughs> uh, for just being in our corner. I mean, I can't actually quite articulate how much it has meant to us to have someone like you on our team looking out for us, making us sound as best as you can, uh, you know, giving us feedback and, and collaborating with us on the podcast over the last few years has meant a huge deal. And I know we've spoken to you privately, but I just wanted to make it public that we've really enjoyed working with you and cannot wait to see what's next for you. Yeah. It's been wonderful. It's it's very sad to see you go, but uh, understand that you're going on and moving on and you're going to have a wonderful career in, um, as a producer for many other things. So we, we thank you from the bottom of our heart and we'd also like to thank Steph. Yes, Steph. So Steph has been my right-hand woman for the past couple of years, helping with everything, anything, you name it. Um, She helped out on the Slow Experiment Club. She helped out in my very congested inbox. She's helped enormously with social media and putting together uh, blog posts and show notes for for the podcast and just helping to corral my um, my attention as well, Uh, particularly while we were traveling, but uh, in the last six months as well. And Steph is studying and she has, she's a yoga teacher and, uh, you know, her life is full and wonderful and, again, looking forward to seeing what happens. But, Steph, thank you for all your time and energy and those awesome catch-ups and, um, you know, the phone calls while we're over in Canada. I always looked forward to talking to you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it takes, it takes a team. It 100% takes a team. Absolutely, it takes a team. And we, we definitely wouldn't have been able to do that last year without <laughs> no way. two guys. So Absolutely not. To Steph and Ryan, we salute you. Insert trumpet music right here, Ryan. Play, play the trumpet music over what I'm saying now would be great. Thank you. 
Shall we get into the questions? I think we shall. Well, did you have any other announcements, notes? Notes, thoughts? Thoughts before we jump Um, You know, actually, I do, just one. So we will have, by the time this episode airs, kicked off another round of the Slow Experiment Club. So the last experiment was awe where we dove into the science behind experiencing awe. This, uh, this experiment, we're looking at connection, particularly human connection and how uh, we can apply the ideas of slow living to this idea of human connection and what the potential benefits are to us. So, again, it's an experiment. It's hosted over on Patreon. Uh, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you can head over to patreon.com slow and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month you get access to a, an exclusive podcast episode every Monday morning that only goes out to Patreon supporters. It's very casual, very conversational, really chatty, um, and it's 10, 15 minutes long. And in that, I will usually go into some element of that, uh, the current experiment, and then I'll give you an action or an idea or a journaling prompt for that week. And you can do as much or as little as you want. But it's sort of a really nice way to go through some of these experiments in a longer format. So they usually go for three months uh, and you can do it with a group of people. And, you know, there's some community talk over on the Patreon page and people sharing it. But the great news about running it that way now is that you can just pop an exclusive members-only link into your podcast player, iTunes, for example, and you just get that podcast episode every Monday as it's released. You don't need to, to do anything other than listen to it. So if you're interested in exploring what connection looks like, human connection looks like, uh, over the next couple of months, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash slow. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to, to add some more people to our experiment crew. All right. Let's get into the questions. The first question comes from Victoria. She asks, not including people, what do you most miss about the Canada, the Canada? <laughs> the Canada. And the USA? And what are you most glad to have in Australia? So not including people. Yeah. So it says, yeah, rather than not including individuals, yeah. that wouldn't be fair. No, that wouldn't be fair. So what, are you, what do you most miss about Canada? The mountains. Yep. I miss the Rockies. Mm-hmm. I miss, um, I mean, it's, a, it's actually a funny question because last year when we were in Canada and the US, particularly when we were in Canada because I wasn't on the book tour for most of that, uh, we lived differently. You know, so I guess I could say I live, I, I miss that agendaless kind of living where it was just us and our whims almost. Um, but like if we're talking about things, mm. I miss the mountains. I yeah. miss um, being in the same country as some of our favourite people. Is that a sneaky way of saying yeah, it's not, You can't say that. I'm sorry. So you do miss, you miss uh, the environment, the Outdoors. No, it's not the outdoors. I actually miss the, the mountains. Yeah. The no. awe of the mountains? Just the mountains. So it's specifically about the mountains. What so what mountains in particular? I'm talking about the Rockies, but uh, I loved the Kootenays. I like the, all of the mountains that we explored, those mountain areas that we explored. I just miss them. I mean, they're, di- they're different here. We have mountains and they're beautiful, but there's something about the BC and Alberta mountain ranges that feel like home for me Mm. so I do miss that I mean we spend a lot of time outdoors here it's not that yeah it's um 
Yeah, that look, that was my intuitive response. No, it's good. What about you? It's similar. I I I miss our lifestyle over, overseas because we were like a little unit, like we did everything together. Mm. The kids weren't at school, so we were homeschooling. And we had this really beautiful rhythm where we would, I just felt like, particularly when we were in one place, you know, it could be in the US. Some, so I have very fond memories of having this sort of rhythm when we were in Portland in Oregon and when we were in Austin, Texas, and when we were in New Hampshire somewhere, Kennebunk. Kennebunk in Kennebunk Maine. in Maine. Yeah. Just these little pockets of slowness that we build into a very fast trip that we were able to get through our work and our school and all the rest of it and then go off to these little you know, weekday journeys where, mm. you know, swimming or we go for an adventure, skiing or hiking. And I loved that because it was quiet. It was like hardly anyone around. I felt like we were escaping routine life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's those little pockets of slowness that we built in. So I really miss that. Not that we don't do that now, but it's that collective well, I just think the input- I feel like we were cheating somehow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. The yeah. inputs into our life were vastly different vastly and and different. very like very um, minimized. You know, with yeah. the exception, even when we're on the book tour, yes, but particularly with the exception of the book tour, uh, you know, it was kind of us and like I was saying, us and our whims and our. I feel like we could. I was. This is a weird analogy, but I felt like we were driving the car of life when we were overseas. Here, okay, I dig it. Keep going. Here, my foot's on the accelerator. Someone else is steering, and someone else is braking. And you know, it works. We get places and we do things. But I just, I, I love the simplicity of what last year was. In sure. This. Okay. So this is my question, and where we are going way deep on on one is our first question of the hostful. Do you think that living the way that we lived, like the things that you loved last year is possible when you are living a more like quote traditional life? So the kids are in school, mm-hmm. you and I are working, even though we're self-employed, mostly from home, we do still have kind of set hours that we keep, yeah. um, you know, and we have definitely more inputs into our time and energy and, and more requirements of our time and energy. So do you think it's possible? Yes, it is possible. Yeah. But not as as easy. I will say that. It's yeah. not as easy. Because I don't I, feel, I don't actually don't agree with you, but I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, I, I feel like it's, for whatever reason, it's just harder to do here because the inputs of, of life are so much more demanding and greater and I don't know. Is it is it I'm just falling back in a routine that I don't want to fall back in? Maybe there's a bigger question here about my purpose and what I want to do. Yeah, I think that maybe there is. And maybe that this is the way of look, I loved and I love what I what I do here and what we do and the adventures we go on, but there was something very special and I don't know whether it's just being in a different country in different areas all the time, making discoveries that I think back and go, wow, how much easier was it? But maybe rewind, put myself in those situations. I don't know whether I was thinking about it at the time. 
Do you know what I mean? Yep, I do yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, there were certainly times that did not feel slow when we were travelling last year. And that's why only I yeah. identified those three, you know, yes. and there was a few others, but there was some definite times within that madness of last year where that I go, oh, wouldn't it be lovely? Yeah, okay. Just so to it's be I in think... Oregon and be amongst that beautiful botanic garden smelling, literally smelling the roses. We spent like hours smelling roses in in uh, Portland. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, but I think it's important to not kind of add to the myth, you know, of nomadic living and how it's... I'm not, I'm, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, I know you're not, but mm. what I, I just thought it was important to kind of come back and say that, like to remind you that you said it was parts of the year, not all of the year. Yeah. Yes, definitely. What do you most, I'm just trying to move on. I know, sorry. What are you most glad to have in Australia? This is the second part of this question. The same question. Uh, again, obviously family. Um, no, not including people. No, I know, I know. A garden. Mm. I am delighted to have mm. a garden. It It was something that I actually genuinely missed and found myself writing about and even talking to you about when we were travelling that I missed gardening. Mm. It's like therapy for me. So to have a garden is a delight. Yeah. Mm. What about you? Other than people, this is a really hard question for me to answer. I appreciate the time that I have now to be able to devote to and really devote to things that I'm really interested in like playing guitar and Smoking meat. Yeah. Okay. Like that's basically it for me. Great. Yeah. But they're, they're two hobbies that you've actually been able to yep. pick up. Yeah. I mean, but it was just impossible to do overseas. Exactly. So, yeah, getting back into that, yeah, those, I don't know, are they selfish endeavours? No, they're just. No. They're, they're my interests and passions and being able to, which just would have been impossible last yeah. year to, to do. So, so hobbies is our answer, essentially. We've, we're glad to have hobbies. The second question, I run on fat. Uh, that's not the question, but this more of is, a statement. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the question. Is it easier to live slow in Australia or in the US and Canada? Uh, it, this sort of goes going to relate a little. It, bit to it, that, it's going, for me, it's going to relate a lot to our last answer. Uh, for me, let's picture living in a mountain town in Canada, and yeah. from our experience of that, mm-hmm. it is very slow. You know, we can create our own rhythms the kids were being like they were in distance ed so we had a a complete freedom with our time Mm -hmm. and for me that's what living in a mountain town for six months felt like it felt like going skiing on a Monday afternoon because we could and because it was quiet on the hill that's when we chose to do it you know all that sort of stuff um but I think if we picked our life up and moved to that mountain town and put the kids in school and this they is, started... So, this is exactly what I was trying to get out yeah. of that first question. So, I, I mean, I, I can't necessarily equate them, but from my experiences, mm. obviously travelling, living, working nomadically meant that it was not easier. There was probably more opportunities for so if you chose to take them than being here. But I have to say that... Um, I've had periods of time in Australia that have felt the slowest of my life, you know, and I I think it really depends on what you're picturing when you see slow as well Mm -hmm. because I think the place, most of the places that we stayed at in Canada, for example, in Alberta and BC were, you know, moderate-sized mountain towns, so maybe 10,000 people, and they had a lot of really great resources and facilities 
that allowed certain elements of slow living to happen more easily, like a bulk food store, for example. When we were living in Australia, I've never, up until now, lived in an area that had a bulk food store um, within like an hour's drive. So that felt easier to do. It felt easier to do like the low waste living when we were in Canada. But in Australia, there's a lot of things that that make it feel slower as well. I mean, I think the weather in Australia means that you can utilise the outdoors year-round. You can garden year-round, you can hike year-round, you can go to the beach year-round. And those are things that add to what feels like slow living for me. So um, I think that it it depends what slow looks like and it also depends what your life looks like in those those places too. For me it's easier to slow down where we are now currently and we'll get to that in a minute actually physically in Australia but if we were to go back and live where we lived uh, before we went on our trip uh, I would have said that it's easier to live slowly in Canada and and the US just because again it comes down to the inputs we just didn't have the inputs that we have here but where we are geographically I think in this community, I think it is natural a natural, slow-paced community. Yeah, it's slower than anywhere I've ever lived. Ever, ever yeah. lived. So my answer is in 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 Australia right now. Yeah, I, you know, I also wonder just to kind of go a level deeper. Do we feel that it's slower here? I mean, I agree with you. We've put ourselves in this situation one hundred percent with that specific question in mind. You know, yeah, where, that's right. where where do we move to be able to live slower? And this and this we chose this place for that reason. But we took our learnings from last year Correct. as well. You know, that reduction in yeah. inputs, all that sort all of that. stuff, and have applied them here. Yeah. So I think that it's kind of a chicken and egg yeah. situation too. But culturally, We're constantly learning. but I mean, if you look at culturally and real big picture, is it easier to live in Australia, US, or Canada? Australia, I would say Australia. Yeah. 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 Uh, the next question, Chrissy Clay. Uh, what are you currently finding challenging regarding slow living and what are you trying in response? I'm the thing that I'm finding challenging at the moment is to settle into a new normal. You know, we talk we've spoken about rhythms a couple of times already. To figure out in this new house, new town, new area of the state. Um, new situation with work, all that, all that sort of stuff, to, um, to to find a rhythm that works and to remove the expectations that I have of what should work. So um, to give you an example, I used to have a morning rhythm that worked so well for me. Like I'd get up mm. at about 5.30. Mm. I got to the point where I didn't even have to set an alarm. Like I would naturally wake up at 5.30, um, get out of bed, uh, do some morning pages, maybe do some yoga or meditation, have a cup of tea or coffee before everyone woke up. And that set me up for a day where I felt like I'd already in, instilled, mm. like installed these, these pockets of slow into my head mm-hmm. and that no matter what else the day brought, I, I had that to, to rely on. And it worked so well for me for about probably a year and a half or so before we left Australia. And then, of course, travelling that went out the window yeah. and I had to settle into not having a rhythm really mm-hmm. coming back to Australia and, and having a house and putting the kids back in school, that sort of stuff. I assumed that that rhythm would suit that same rhythm that had always worked for me or had worked for me 
so well would work again. And, and it, hasn't. it hasn't. Yeah. Um, I've, and you've been frustrated with that. I have been frustrated mm. with it. You've been so, very hard on yourself. Yeah, and that's what I realised. That's mm. So that was my challenge. My challenge is to let go of expectations, even if those expectations are built on my own experiences. That was then. This is now. You know, I feel that naturally I'm waking up more like 6.30 and um, our son is waking up at the same time. So I don't get that that time that I used to have to myself. And for the first few weeks, that really annoyed me. Uh, so kind of letting go of that and, and seeing. So I've just flipped it on my head, on its head basically mm-hmm. and said, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try not waking up to an alarm. Let's try doing my stretching at night when the kids are in bed, you know, and we're watching something on Netflix. Like let's try what happens if I don't do my morning pages. How do I feel? And just playing with it. So I've gotten, I've put my experimenting cap back on with my rhythms yep. and that's how I'm trying to to evolve with the, the challenge. What about you? So what I'm finding most challenging is tilting, actually. So tilting um, regarding uh, work yep. and life. So at the moment... Um, what I'm trying to do, trying desperately to do, is front load my weeks with work. And that means just working really, really, tilting into work really hard on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then being able to do other stuff on Thursday and Friday as well as work. Yep. Um, life happens. <laughs> life is happening. And this year there's, I feel like there is, like I said, in the previous response, there's more inputs. So that's fine. And I'm finding it very, very difficult uh, and frustrating when the Thursday and Friday get influenced by those inputs and they're inevitable. I, I understand that. So my idea and how I'm trying to work out my weeks doesn't always happen and that's frustrating for me. So how are you dealing with that? Look, I'm being more patient. You know, it might not be tilting week to week and I'm trying to I'm trying to escape that week to week mentality and look at more you know monthly and quarterly yeah. and you know like that trying to work to those bigger pictures and because I know that there's going to be a lot of work for both of us over the next coming months so I've got to be kind of to myself and say well look find those pockets of slow every day instead of trying to find it on a Thursday and Friday yeah. In a bigger scale. So you're looking. So you'll then look back at the last three months or six months and say, "Do I feel like I've balanced over that period of time?" Exactly. Rather than because I know with you've got client work, so they're up and down. It's you know some weeks are really quiet, other weeks are insane. You know, and I think that it's interesting to see you. Whereas last year, I felt like it was consistent. Like. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like consistent, consistently crazy. Yeah. And we were finding those pockets of slow after the kids had finished school and before I officially started work. Yeah, sure. You know, those little pockets So around lunchtime we went in. Well, we'd go adventuring. And that's what I've got to, I need my routine and my rhythm to start getting, finding those pockets every day. Okay. Trying, trying my best. That's all we can ever do. Embrace the ish. Yes. Well done. Close-ish is good enough-ish. Friday post. Yes, slow post. I'll include a link to that in the show notes if you have no idea what I'm talking about. This next one's from Claire. What area did you decide to buy and live in and why did you choose that area? 
We have decided to settle in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales, Australia. Uh, why did we settle here? We settled here for heaps of reasons. Partly, as we said before, the pace. There's something really lovely about the pace. So we're in a like a, a smallish town, I guess, that just has this really intentional sort of slower pace. I mean, not in some kind of hashtag slow living way. This is not a slow town. No. No. It's it's not, not. a slow city. No, it's no. it's not it's not Byron Bay. Like no. there isn't this this no. whole hashtag slow movement here. It's just the way that people do life here. I mean, neighbors will stop and chat for half an hour over the fence and the kids walk to school and Which I'm still finding I'm struggling because I you are. I'm still on that you know transactional Hi, how you going? Good, good, okay, da, 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 bang. Yeah. But conversations here. When the neighbour wants to chat for 45 minutes. Really lean into it. Lean on that paling of the fence. Literally. Get comfortable. So, I mean, I, that, I think that appealed to us. Yeah. We also, we spent a few weeks here before we decided whether or not we wanted to move here. And, I mean, even just things like spending time at the school and meeting the principal and getting a, a sense that the values of the school, the values of the educators were in alignment with our values for our family was huge for me. That was probably the thing that sort of tipped it over in order for us to, to decide to live here. Uh, but also, I mean, we that was one thing that we did have in mind when we sold our place in the mountains was that maybe we wanted a bit more land and a bit smaller house. Now, we did get a bit more land, but it's certainly not what we had in mind. No, it's not um, a, yeah, we're not on massive acreage. We're yeah. not on acreage. <laughs> yeah. we're, we are in town. Yeah. The way the, the town is structured, the way the, um, uh, you know, our land is structured and set up and situated, it just feels so much more spacious. It's about double the size of our last block. Um, so it's certainly big enough to, you know, do things like, grow vegetables and have fruit trees and have chickens and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. What? Have, uh, so the, the, I just want to um, ask you just another question because it relates to the next question, which is from Toon 28 um, So I, how are you feeling? Are you, were you ever nervous about not being close to the city, having to maintain more, a bigger parcel of land, um, do you're feeling lonely or disconnected from family? Yeah, um, so I think that question was initially in response to us talking about living rurally. Yeah, you know, and which we're not. So yeah. we're living in town, but we yeah. are on about double the size uh, of land that we had in the mountains. Well, we're in a rural area. We are in a rural area, yeah. but we're in town, is what I'm saying. We have neighbours. We can see their houses. You know. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but when we were thinking about moving on to some acres. I was a bit nervous about that. I didn't know what to do with 10 acres. You've often said, though, to, to friends and loved ones that if you could live in a cabin in, a, in the woods, a.k.a. like that illustration on page uh, of the slow book that you wrote, yes. that that's your ideal. Yeah, so the idea of isolation and being on land doesn't, that side of it didn't mm. scare me at all. Mm. I love the, I, I love, still love the thought of living on a bigger piece of land out of town. 
But having moved to a town this size and lived in and now living in town, I love that we can walk places. I love that we can walk down to the coffee shop. I love that we can walk to the fruit and veggie shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, you know, the co-working space that I'm setting up in for a while is literally like down the end of our street and around mm-hmm. the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, like, I love all of that. Yes. So I didn't expect that. I, I thought that I would feel a little frustrated being in town. So I guess my experience is like the actual opposite of, of the question, really. Mm. Um, mm. Really enjoying being in a town this size, having access to all the facilities that we do, being like 20, 25 minutes drive to a handful of pretty large regional centres. So we really don't want for anything. You know what I've, I've really enjoyed is living in a, in a bigger area, a city or a bigger town, and the convenience that that brings. Yeah. I've really enjoyed not having things. Yeah. Having to plan a little bit. Not that we didn't plan before, but. What are you talking about specifically? Well, just day-to-day things. Like, for example, our green, lovely local green grocer who we've bought our fruit and veg from has gone on. And this is this is living the dream. This is practicing what we preach. Has gone on a four month vacation. Close the shop. Yeah. Close. It's 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 dormant. Would would that ever happen in a city? There's no way. I can't see how it could. Maybe it would, but I'd, I've never come across anything I've like that. I've never it. come across as that. And they've gone over to Europe and spending you know back end of summer slash you know autumn over in in Europe with family and friends. How and, and so what I'm saying is then we've had to like plan like, oh, that's, that's our fruit and veg. We need to then think about other avenues to get that not from, you know, a local big supermarket exactly. and all the rest of it. So, so that's, look, that's what I've enjoyed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like and I, I, I kind of dig that. I love right. that there's not like a whole heap of options for mm. takeaway or anything mm. like that too. Yes. I feel like we've been way more intentional with the food that we eat yeah. and the food that we plan for every week um, and prepare and like shop for so it's sort of thinking ahead so that you limit those car trips obviously and try and do everything in one trip to town and this wouldn't be a surprise this is not a surprise to anyone for us is that it's really important that we're living we're living more intentionally and more what we what our advice to people is yeah do you know what I mean like actually slowing down in all aspects sure of our life? Sure. Yeah. Katie.kennedy.collins writes, are you living mortgage-free? How did you make the financial leap? Short answer is no, we're not. No, we're not mortgage-free. <laughs> we're definitely not mortgage-free. We're mortgage lighter, but we're not mortgage-free. So How I, did you make the financial leap? Uh, I mean, well. It's not applicable. No, we didn't make a financial leap. But what we did do, and I'm happy to, to kind of share, is when we came back and looked at our finances, we were really quite um, strict with figuring out what our income is and what we would be genuinely very comfortable to pay percentage-wise of our weekly income towards a mortgage. And it's nowhere near what it used to be. I mean, we used to pay more than 50% of our income on a mortgage. Back and in the that, day. Yep. that is just stressful. Mm. It just is so incredibly stressful. And I'm sure a whole heap of people listening understand that, you know, particularly living in a place 
like Sydney, which had and still really does have, despite all talks of a housing bust, uh, incredibly expensive um, properties and homes. So people are having to really extend themselves. And we decided while we were traveling that that wasn't a situation we wanted to put ourselves in again. So that required like quite a quite a good long, hard look at our income. Also the fact that we are self-employed. So what if that income was slashed by 50%? Could we continue you know, to pay our mortgage? And I think that that has reduced a huge amount of mm-hmm. stress from, mm-hmm. it's just removed a huge amount of stress from mm-hmm. our lives. So it was kind of getting realistic with what, that amount of money would buy us and what we really wanted, what was a nice to have, what we were never going to get for And this is money. in a market where uh, the banks and mortgage lending institutions were, you know, a lot, have been a lot tighter in, in, in um, you know, their lending criteria and we were well below whatever they were willing to, to lend us. So, yeah, we were very intentional about that, weren't we? We were just... I think that was one of the best choices we've made yeah, since we've been I, back I was totally to agree. go, well, yeah, we could probably stretch ourselves for this, but is that going to be worth it, mm. really, you know? Here's a related question, Sleeping Mum 43. Is there a slow way to manage money? It's a really good question. Uh, I think, look, I think there is, but I also think that conversations around money, even if it's just a conversation that we have with ourselves, are fraught with Mm. emotions. Um, For me, money was always a shame conversation or even just a shame thought when I used to struggle with consumer spending, when I used to struggle with credit card debt, when I was running. We were awful. Terrible when we When we we first, I mean, we were young, but we were, you know, in those early years... Before marriage. Really unintentional with my money. Oh, and, um, and looking back, you know, and that you think, oh, you know, that's the time to be that way. But frivolous. It was stupid frivolous. Like it wasn't. It was dumb. It was just. Uh, yeah. I'm all for like blowing your money on a. I feel like vomiting. <laughs> okay. All right. Dial it back a bit. So I do think that there is a way to to talk about and to think about and to manage money that is slow. If you look at slow as intentional and mindful, um, this is not at all my area of expertise. What I will say is to head over to a friend of the show, Kate Flanders' website. So Kate doesn't blog anymore, but her website, kateflanders.com, is home to some resources. It's also where you'll be able to find links to her podcast. Um, She's very someone who who has made an incredible career about writing about intention with money um, and she hosted a podcast for a number of years. So head over to Kate's website uh, and, and find that out. Uh, I will also actually include a link in the show notes to the couple of episodes of the podcast where I've had Kate on and we've spoken about money and slow money particularly. Um, so if you head over to slowyourhome.com slash season three, you'll find the links to those in today's episode's show notes. Excellent. This next question, Long Hope Orchard. I'm just reading this out as they as it appears. A little Ben mentoring, please. Slow aspirations, fast career path. That was you in a nutshell. Absolutely. You're on a career trajectory that was going was only going to get faster and more frantic and more uh, stressful. Yeah. So flashback. Five years. Five seven years ago, I was on a train, commuting very early in the morning. On my laptop, I've probably mentioned this before, mm-hmm. but um, and had a massive, massive panic attack. I was on my laptop thinking, doing work, 
we were rushing. I knew that I'd have to get off the train like I did and just rush off to some meeting and then, you know, so I was frantically trying to get stuff done and I thought I was having a heart attack and I basically was collapsed on Parramatta Station. But that's that for me, short of having that light bulb slash moment in your life where you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to slow down. Mm. Um, For me, you know, it was just from that moment on, I remember just saying, okay, I'm going to give myself five years, forget what it was, four, three years, and I'm going to improve and start living more uh, intentionally and slow down in my career. Mm. And, you know, I I could have kept on going where I was going and did something that I didn't, we didn't enjoy anymore. I mean, it, it all comes down to, you know, whether you're enjoying what you're doing. And if you are, then that's great. But know that if you've got those slow aspirations and start communicating that as part of your career goals. What do I mean by that? For me, and I can only talk about myself, what I started to do was every year make an inroad. So there was 10, so for example, there was 10 steps I needed to do to go from being employed, working for the man, to being successful and going out on my own. Which was your goal. That was my goal. When you you envisaged slowing down in your career. That was my slow aspiration. That's that's what I wanted to do. I wanted my career to match my family life. Your values. And my values. So you you were living that life. I was living the opposite. And we've spoken about that before. I wanted to get closer because I remember a good friend of mine said, you guys are going to be living such different lives because he, he just saw it, he called it very, very early, that you guys, there's, it's going to come a point where a tipping point and you'll need to get on the bus or, or it won't work. Not, yeah. So there was that just, and, I, and that was on the back of my mind a lot. I need to go back and talk to him about that. You should. That. Um, I wonder if he knows the impact that it had. That's interesting. I think he does because we've had similar conversations, but I need to go back and say, do you remember giving me this advice? I can still remember it. Anyway, so I, if you've got those 10 steps, and it doesn't matter. Look, you could, you could say these 10 steps over five years and you might do one for the first year, another couple, another couple. You might do nine in the first year, you know, those nine key milestones and it then takes you another four years to do that last piece of the puzzle give that self you know give yourself permission to be able to do that yeah but just know just give yourself time and all i would say is just plan it out just plan it out how you want your career to go and don't lose sight of that picture as you're getting there because yes you'll be still going fast yes you'll still not be you know, you're not happy with where you're you're going. But just know that that slow aspiration, keep that in the back of your mind and just keep coming back to it, yeah. So did you have a, like, a, a motto or a, a touchstone or something that kept you going through that, those three or four years, whatever it was? Well, I mean, we had, uh, I can't even remember back then, were we doing whips? No. I don't think so. We weren't doing weekly whips back then, were we? No. It's I had you. I had you as my touchstone. Okay. I was very lucky. 
But if I if I could recommend something is is just um, somehow recording that plan. And I, I had a business plan and I planned it out and it's on my computer and all the rest of it. But make yourself accountable to someone. So have a conversation. Have with a someone. conversation with someone. Find a mentor Let or a friend. Them know. To, yeah. Let them know exactly what you want to do, and and just make sure they understand what that slow aspiration looks like to you, and uh, be open and honest with them. So there's the big picture. You also did make changes, like small picture changes, though too, didn't you? That uh, allowed you the headspace to better cope with that fast-paced work when your aspirations were actually slow. Like there's potential is what I'm trying to get at to be very frustrated. I had a a number of uncomfortable conversations with colleagues about slow living and or even like, you know, managers and leaders Mm. about, you know, you've got to get all this done, you know, like single tasking versus multitasking and um, there's a whole host of like just conversations that I have with people that made them feel very uncomfortable when I started to talk about slowing down and, and um, yeah, living more intentionally. Well, because I think that often when we have those conversations, even if we're only speaking about our own experiences or desires, what people listening to us hear is... Countercultural, they're weird, they're not running the corporate motto, they're not, they don't want to you know, go up the career ladder, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I think... I think that made people feel uncomfortable. Definitely. But do you think that that's because it speaks to some deep concern or insecurity or uncertainty with individuals? Yeah, it's just different. It's just different. And people just don't like massive difference in those types of circles. So you also did something with your time on the train. Well, look, I didn't work on the train exactly. anymore. I like I meditated. So you gave yourself buffer is yeah. what I'm yeah. Yeah. you know getting at. Like mm. which allowed you to better deal with the frustrations that aligned that arose from being out of alignment. Once mm. you knew what your values were, you knew what your future vision was, you're not there yet and mm. you can't be there for a while. You mm. are working towards it. So I think that having that those tools and giving yourselves the that giving yourself that Headspace did allow you to better cope and better deal and better thrive in what was not your ideal situation. Absolutely. I will say give yourself permission to fail also because you will. Um, it's really hard to, to, to live slowly in a fast-paced world, mm-hmm. as you know. So just give yourself permission to fail, um, particularly early on, but just know that you just, in the end, write down what you want and bring someone in on the journey and good luck. Lauren Louise West, do you do date night? And if so, what are your favourite slow date night ideas? We don't, we don't really do date nights at the moment because we don't live near family. We haven't done date nights for the last two years. Well, that's not quite true. When we had family staying with us in Canada. But date night, is date night like a regular thing? I, I don't know what it is. We've never done it. I think it is. We've I've, never done regular. I've known date people nights. that have date night every night, every week. Okay. Yeah. Lucky them. I know. So no, we don't. But what we do um, is because we're self-employed, we can do this. <laughs> Some Fridays we will run off to the movies and go and see a, a film during the day, which feels 
it, like it's it's doubly lovely. It's like we get to go and spend time together and watch a movie that isn't Toy Story 17. And mm. we also get to enjoy some of the freedom that comes as a result of, you know, the life that we've created. Yep. So that's something that we like to do. But also we often, not always, but Monday mornings we'll head off for a coffee, the two of us, after the kids have been dropped off at school. And sometimes we'll double up with that on a Friday morning as well. So things like that are lovely. I mean, we've if the kids are at a birthday party or something like that, we'll go for a walk down to the local pub and, you know, sit on the balcony and, and sit in the sun and chat. Like that's lovely. Mm. It's nothing uh, elaborate. It's nothing, um, you know, fancy. Mm. But for now, particularly until we find a babysitter in this new town of ours, uh, that's it's working for us Absolutely. and it's lovely. It but I also lovely. feel like now that the kids are a little bit older and we get – we've we, we are pretty protective of our evenings, you and I, so we try very hard not to work at night. Um, you know, we leave our phones in the kitchen and even just sitting down and watching an episode of a, a Netflix series that we're enjoying feels really nice to me. It feels like we're making time for each other, mm. um, you know, and, and kind of taking that, that idea. Tell, of you what, tell you what a really nice date night would be Okay, that I would want to do with you sooner rather than later, (laughs) is walk out into a paddock somewhere. Yeah. Like get away from, even though there's not a big town, but like get away from the lights. Yeah. With a flashlight and go and walk through paddock with something nice to drink, whatever that would be, and stargaze. Oh, yeah. And wildlife spot. That would be awesome. That would be so good. That would be awesome, actually. We could bring the kids along. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Not much of a date, though, really, is it? Um, that's lovely. Can we do that? Can we make yeah. time for that? Great. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Smiley M writes, how have you gone rebuying things for the house that you need? Gradual or Fit out the house first. Gradual. Massively gradual. We don't even have a landing area yet. No, we don't, which is actually starting to annoy me. And I know. I noticed that last week, so we've <laughs> got to get onto that. So, but we have been ve- we have we have been very um, very slow. Very it was one of the key things that we discussed I'd, moving in here. We're no... like, look, it's a bigger house than we wanted. I will say that. Yep. And we were like. Let's not fill it. Let's totally. not fill it just for the sake of filling it. Which I think is working yeah. for us, to be honest. And even just, um, you know, things that we did need, like dining chairs, for yes. example. We, I, My goal is to buy as much as we need secondhand as humanly possible mm-hmm. for the house. I really don't want to be buying new things. But if we are buying new, uh, I'm looking at the materials I'm looking at the longevity and, like, so the quality of craftsmanship. Is it possible to get it made locally? Is it possible to get it made sustainably? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of its life, what can we then do with the materials? So I've been really, really intentional with all of that and have so far managed to succeed in all, yeah, all of that, I think. Awesome. Yeah. We haven't had to buy anything um, new that wasn't locally made, Yeah, I think. I'm really fine. stressing about a mower at the moment. Well, yeah, we need. I really want to fix this mower, but it's going to cost too much money. Yeah, and that's the other thing that we're we're kind of. And buying secondhand ride-on mowers, I don't think is a 
Good idea. I don't know. Anyone got any advice? That would be great. Actually, we did. Uh, we spoke about the mower at the beginning of the season. I know. And that's what I'm saying. Suggested Tulo. Yeah. They don't do right on mowers at Tulo. They don't, and we do need. We probably do need one. Um, so going back to the dining chairs, for example, we didn't have any. We had a dining table, no chairs, and instead of going out, what we used to do would be. Okay, let's live with our dining chairs for a week. Oh, now I'm getting annoyed because it doesn't look good to be using our outdoor bench seating. Let's just buy chairs. doesn't matter to me now because convenience. Come on, I want it now. That's a good point. Uh, and we haven't done that. And instead we waited and we lived with our outdoor bench seats with our dining seats for, I don't know, six weeks or so. And I scoured eBay until I found the secondhand dining chairs that we wanted. Um, this next question from Wilding, would you do a refresh recap on how you maintain or reattain fuel possessions now that you are settling in again? It sort of relate, relates it's very, to that. Uh, yeah, it is very related. So I think that in terms of attaining new stuff, we're just being patient. We're taking our time. We're making sure, I mean, and the beauty of taking your time with these decisions is you get to realise that there is a lot that I would have walked into this house thinking was a necessity that I actually don't need at all. You know, things that you're like, well, you you just, you must have X and you must have Y. I mean, you live in a place for eight weeks without X and Y and you go, oh, why did we think that having an X and having a Y was so important? Mm. You know, so I think that for us taking our time has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but also just, like you said, not feeling like we need to fill a space in order to have been, to order in order to have finally kind of moved in. You know, mm. like the kitchen that we've got, it's a lovely kitchen. It's not particularly big, but it has quite a bit of storage space. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe they're a third full not of even. stuff. I reckon a quarter full of this massive amount of storage. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we got rid of the vast majority of our stuff when mm. we left Australia. Mm -hmm. And we've had to purchase some of, like, some things to to mm. replace those. Um, I will say we had, we did buy a soda, a soda stream new. Oh, we did. We did. Um, but I'm quite okay with that because it's great and it saves plastic. So that was one thing that we did purchase new. Uh, and I think that, again, living without them for a while makes you realise which one of those, quote, necessities is actually something that you will need and use and appreciate versus the things that you think you should have. It's the best thing ever. We've done. Yeah. Um, but I also having to kind of, I wrote about it in the slow post a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, uh, I was having to weigh up my values in purchasing things as well. You know, I, I the example that I wrote about was buying a pair of secateurs for the garden. And I found a pair at the hardware store that was not wrapped in plastic. So it was plastic free, but it was pretty shoddily made. It had um, it was made internationally somewhere. I don't know where. There was no guarantee. You couldn't replace individual parts, and it just didn't feel like it was going to go the distance. Versus buying a pair of secateurs that did come in plastic packaging, but you could replace each individual part over time, and it had a lifetime guarantee. So you know what I mean. You like yeah. I'm finding myself having to choose one set at one value over others sometimes when we're buying things for the house and you just have to go with what makes sense totally. over time or yep. what makes sense for you right now what the best you can do in the moment is yep. and let it go because otherwise you could become completely overwhelmed with 
trying to do it zero waste, trying to do it locally, trying oh. to do it secondhand, trying to do it sustainably, trying to do it so that when it does come to the end of its life cycle, everything can be, you know, upcycled or, or composted. Like it's unfortunately not possible to always tick every box. So I think that understanding that and giving yourself a little bit of grace is really important. Doing your best, but also acknowledging that sometimes the system is not set up so that you can do any better than that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if it helps, then then use that as an example to install change elsewhere, yeah. you know. Um, so it has been really interesting, more than I expected it to yeah, be. Yeah, agreed. This one's from Jem Royal. What made Ben choose to attend therapy for himself? I think my partner could benefit. I will uh, start by saying that this is still very uh, fresh and raw, so I wouldn't, I'm not going to be able to provide... I'm not in a headspace to share everything at the moment. Yeah. But I will say that I was uh, very uh, anxious when I got home and I did, there were things going on in my life with um, loved ones that um, I decided just to go and talk to my GP about how I was feeling and that was the best thing I could have done yeah. is just go and have, I, I owed it, to you and I owed it, owed it to other family members to be able to, to do that because uh, it takes courage and I never thought that I would have the courage to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I, I really steeled myself to, to do that and I, I made it happen. I felt proud of myself for doing it. Absolutely. And that was the best thing I could have done and, and we discussed a few things and he provided a lot of recommendations, one of which was, one of which was getting like full bloods done and... Um, Consequently, found it finding out that I had some gut issue, and then having to see specialists, and which I think was all tied into how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, so, man, I just I couldn't recommend enough just that first step of going to see a GP and and taking that as the just the first step because it you know I was scared to do it. What, a, what were you scared of? I, I just didn't like. I didn't like um, not being able to sort it out for myself. Yeah, I didn't feel worthy. Also, knowing you, how you were, hmm. I didn't feel like I was worthy of asking for help. Like that it was bad enough. Like it's already strained medical um, system. system. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I didn't want to be in a further burden to it. Yeah, to the point where I thought. And this, I, I thought that the doctor was going to say something like, you don't need it. There's other people out there that need it much more than you. You'll be all right. What a stupid thing to think. No, I don't think it's stupid. I can understand that's, that. That's where my head was at the time. He didn't say that though, did he? He didn't. No. no. He didn't. But I do remember saying to him, I was like, I just want to um, practice what I pre preach almost and my advice that I've given other people, yourself and other people. That I just wanted to make sure that I was following my own advice almost. Mm. So uh, I think anyone could could benefit from talking freely and open to their medical practitioner. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important point that you make, that that was the first step because I think often what we do when we're in a position that requires us to, you know, seek help is we think about where it might end up like we think about 
the end result. We think about who they might recommend us to go and see. We think about what that person might say. We think about what medication they might put us on. We think about what side effects there might be. All valid things to think about. But what we need to do is to just focus on the next thing. And for anyone listening, if if that's a concern that you've got, if, if you feel like you need some support, just concentrate on the next thing. So mm. pick up the phone and make an appointment with your mm. doctor. You knew, and you know what it was? It was you saying, let's make this appointment together for yeah. you and do what, you know, that was, it, it often, I just think from a male perspective, it often just needs that, that little bit extra from someone just saying, let's do this, to, like, let's, let's do this together rather than you go and do it, you go and sort it out. Because right. I've seen people do that. I've seen people try to do it by themselves and it's really hard. Yeah. It's just so much harder. Well, even to the point where just before your appointment, you're like, I think I'm going to cancel. I'm feeling better. Totally. You know. I did I, I almost said, I, did I say you that? You did say I that. I did say that. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm no, feeling I'm, I'm, I think, I'm right now. I think it was just that I wasn't sleeping it's this thing and it's that thing. I'm, I'm all right. Like I'm, yeah, I know that, that you're feeling really better. of you to say that. However, mm. <laughs> please go. Yeah. I'll come with you if you'd like. Yeah. I didn't, but the offer was there. Yeah. And I know, I do know that when I first told you that I was struggling with my postnatal depression, didn't know that's what it was at the time, um, having you come into the doctors with me helped enormously. Yeah. It really did. Yep. It sort of gave me strength. And I remember you saying to me, don't talk it down. You always talk things down. Yeah. Like be open and just say everything that you've said to me or everything that comes to your yeah, mind. Just don't be honest. play anything down. Oh, I think that's human nature. I don't know if it's mm. a male thing. I don't know if it's a female thing. But like we often do So oh, you know, yeah, this happened. But it was okay because, you know, the next morning I felt better or, you know. Um, yeah, that's true. I did that. Mm. I'm very smart. Yeah. So but just going back to the question, what made me attend? Um, probably just having a conversation with myself and saying, am I comfortable in living like this for much longer? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. All right. We're coming down uh, to the end of the show and I just wanted to do some quick fire questions. These are, I'm very good at these. No, you're not. <laughs> we literally have only like... A couple of minutes left, so let's get on to it. So what are your favourite books of 2019? Go. Three. You get three. Overstory? I've got that in my top three. Oh, okay, so yeah. I'm not allowed to have it. Yeah. No, no, you, that's fine. Okay. Uh, Braiding Sweetgrass mm-hmm. by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And come back to me. Come on, come no. back. No, one more. When they say 2019, is that like books released in 2009? That's oh, what I'm doing, like no. new books. Well, The Overstory wasn't released in 2019. Mm. I actually think I may have read The Overstory last year just to muddy the waters. <laughs> All right, you know what? I'm going to say a book that I've, I, I reread it this year that I absolutely loved. Wizards and Glass, Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King. I knew you'd get Dark a Stephen Tower. King in there. I reread it. I just finished it yeah. like a couple of weeks ago and it just... I very rarely do I actually cry reading books mm. and I bawl like a baby when you I do. read that book. I, yeah. I haven't read that yet. I'm up to that in this trilogy and I've been years since I've... It's not a trilogy. Sorry, the quabilogy. 
and I the need to, million of you. Yeah, and you keep on saying like you're just getting to the best bits. Yeah, like yeah. So I should um, overstory for me as well. I read that this year. I I've read very few books this year. Um, overstory. I also read a good book in Canada. What did I read? He's laughing now. The other one is The Van Apple Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. I think that's, that's such a, a, good book. a really, really good book. Everyone should read that book. And the third one is The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Walhelben, who manages a, a forest in Germany and knows absolutely everything there is to know about trees and communication and the mysteries of life. Wow. Just seriously read it. It's great. Mrs. Kelly Morell, any more books planned? Question mark. Uh, yes. We're talking rapid fire. That's as rapid as it gets. Yes, there is another book on the horizon that I'm just sinking my teeth into now. Uh, looking forward to sharing more with you. Ashley Schneider, what poggies do you listen to? Comedy Bang Bang. I know I say it all the time. I reference it at least once every season in my um, slow post as well, but I love it. It's absurd. It's great. I also listen to the odd episode and really enjoy it of Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert. I've got to admit I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts while we travelled, we listened to a lot of audiobooks with the kids, so I didn't really have a huge amount of podcast listening time and I I think maybe I'm in a bit of a rut, which is because... Pog, poggy rut. A poggy rut, a pog rut. Um, because I look at what's available and when we started, I feel like it was a relatively small pool of really interesting, pod, like things that I was interested in, podcasts. Now there is just so much choice and all with really high production values. Like I don't know where to start. Uh, and also if I'm being perfectly honest, things that are based on topics that I'm interested in like you know, climate, like climate change and the crisis, the climate crisis and what to do about it, I get very anxious listening to them. So I I kind of struggle there. I read a lot about it and try and find practical solutions and changes that I can make. But I feel like adding another input into my life of that particular area, the only reason I'm saying this, I feel like everyone expects me to be across all of those kind of podcasts, you know, and I'm not. And that's kind of part of the reason why. So if you have any recommendations for podcasts that are hope-filled, like think the movie 2040, but in podcast form where it's solutions-based. There would be so much. I I agree. People recommend some podcasts for us. That would be Particularly in that that realm. In that genre. I would love to listen more, but I I do need to protect my own mental health a little bit. Yeah, my my podcasts at the moment are very silly. So Freedom, which is Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Lauren Lapkus and... That other guy called Scott, Scott Arkman. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's just silly comedy. Um, the other one that my brother made actually was called uh, Clancy Blacksland, which is a fictional, uh, dramatized radio play. Radio play. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's funny and, and very dark blue and very and, and the language is rude. out there. So it's not one for the car and the kids. It's one for a stiff drink and a put your feet up. And put your earbuds in. <laughs> That's literally the only way you're allowed to listen to it. <laughs> Feed up, stiff drink. Last question, when will the next season of the podcast start? End of October. And it will run until we take our break over Christmas and January. So question for me, will there be 
uh, summer series winter warmies? That's a good question. Yeah. I think they should be. You've got be. until next season to... to oh, okay. Um, I retract my answer. Yes, to think about that one. What do you think? Um, no. Okay. I don't think there should be because the season will run up till December. That's how Anyway, this is the end of the show, so we should probably <laughs> play us out. What I will say, though, is season four of the podcast is going to be a very different Oh, it is. Very different uh, format to what you're used to. Yeah. Let's 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 do another episode sneaky, zero sneaky to uh, explain what we mean by that. All will be revealed at the end of October, but until then, we thank you. Season three thanks you. Who is that? Hi, podcast.